podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we return after the international break to an underwhelming game week for many, as roulettes don't go some people's way and the big guns dribble rather than fire. This week, we're joined by the Football Index Guide, Pet, who you can find on Twitter at underscore FI Guide to talk about FPL and trading. Uh, just say quickly, of course, that we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WTA underscore FPL. And of course, you can use Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever you like to listen and subscribe. But first, though, Nick, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, it was a bit of an underwhelming game week, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, great to have you on the podcast, Pet, um, Football Index Guide. We both appeared on your pod previously um, and wanted to have you on to, to talk a little bit about Football Index as well as FPL. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I'm Pet, the creator of the Football Index Guide, where I've basically been creating uh, Football Index-related content for the last, say, 13, 14 months now. And I actually used to work in the same uh, building as Tom, so uh, we, we're well acquainted. Great having you on, Pet. So this week, we're going to be talking about some synergies between FPL and Football Index, surprisingly enough. Looking at the key performance indicators, such as different stats uh, that traders and managers may look at, buying and selling strategies across both games and uh, some further kind of bits and pieces that may tie the two uh, games, I guess we can call them together. We'll then go through our features, including a speaker's corner from Pet and take some questions at the end. Yeah, sounds great, Tom. And um, thanks for the questions, guys. Um, So let's start with the game week reviews. Pet, as you're the guest, you can go first. Uh, How are you doing so far this season and how did you get on this game week? I bought in Raheem Sterling this week. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it was Tom's advice, but it may have been Tom's advice. Uh, lies, for, for, lies. <laughs> for a minus minus four hit, he, he obviously didn't play a minute. Uh, but but I'm I'm doing all right. Three hundred fifty thousand overall rank, I think. Um, Captain Aguero this game week. I had Virgil Van Dijk, a surprise six pointer from uh, Ben Foster. So uh, hovering at about I think probably forty one points after this game week, which isn't amazing, but it could have been much worse. Uh, especially as I thought Monreal was going to save me uh, this Monday, but obviously he didn't start either to to add insult to injury. It was a dodgy weekend, wasn't it? I've, I had kind of assembled something of a reasonable score for the game week and got 50 points in total, so sort of teetering around the, the edge of the, that sort of 100k um, mark overall rank. Um, I did a swap of Trippier to Mendy, which paid off as the Frenchman got me a 10 pointer. And then it was just a Robertson 8 pointer and Salah captaincy and Mitrovic 5 pointer, but in an otherwise anonymous performance. But yeah. Wolves, one-pointers, Chelsea, one-pointers, and a blank for Kane. And that was the punisher, I guess, in um, in what was an okay game week. But a pretty poor score, but, you know, better than some of the scores I've been hearing. So I'm not going to moan too much. And it's green arrow for me as well. Doesn't sound too bad again. I think you've beaten me by just one point there, haven't you? Denying this. Yeah, just. I've got 49 this week. I was hoping for a Madison yellow card that never materialised after Richardson's uh, three-pointer yesterday. But it feels like kind of... 49.50 was quite good this game week, given the fact that there were very depressed scores. A lot of people not really doing anything. You know, I had Cunaguero as well, um, but it was my captain, had most Salah. Uh, Robertson uh, nabbing me a couple of bonus. Uh, Edson with a clean sheet. And Mitrovic with an assist, and that, that was basically it. Hopefully now it will be green arrows all the way uh, to something decent by the end of the season. All right, uh, let's move on to our talking point this week then. It's a football index and about how it synergizes a little bit with FPL. But just to kind of note at the moment, obviously it's 18+, plus, but I just want you to bear in mind that traders can lose money as well as making money, and any sign-up you make is at your own risk. So, Pet, could you just give us a quick overview of what football index is, just for those listeners who may be uninitiated? So essentially, Football Index is what they like to call a football stock market where you can basically buy and sell players and each share of a player is is called a future in Football Index land and and players rise and fall in price dependent on the demand or lack thereof of said player. And what actually drives this market is dividends. So Football Index pay out dividends and there's two types of dividends, media buzz and performance buzz with media buzz this is all about who's kind of in the papers football index aggregate about 25 outlets and 
they attribute points to each article written about players and whoever has the most points at the end of the day gets paid out in dividends. So your likes of Paul Bogba's getting a haircut every now and then will appear in, in the media buzz ranking. Uh, uh, if, a, if a player scores a winner, they're, they're usually likely to score quite a few points, especially in a big game. And then on the other hand, there's uh, performance buzz, which is kind of the main driver at the moment, the more exciting part, which is on the pitch performance. So each game day, each position gets paid out a certain amount in dividends, attackers, defenders, midfielders, and whoever gets the most points overall gets a star player bonus. And just like FPL, Football Index have their own performance scoring matrix, or uh, I think it's BPS in FPL, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, those are kind of interesting to compare. All right, thanks, Pat. Yeah, I think there's definitely like a few synergies that we can talk about there, especially in terms of how events, and especially in terms of the performance buzz, just because we, I, mean, I recently saw, for example, that they're making changes. I think it was, it was only this weekend they announced it in terms of goals and assists forming part of the dividend that you can be paid to realise profit. So that definitely sets us up very well, and it seems very timely to have you on the pod this week to talk about that. A, a nice kind of introduction to talking about this is a question from FPL Addict 123 who asks, what are the disadvantages and advantages of FPL knowledge going into fi and vice versa so i think you mentioned this on on my podcast when you came on tom that football index is just so goal oriented so every goal gets you 40 points every game winning goal so that's the goal that puts your team in front will give you an extra 40 points so you could have a player performing pretty poorly score a last minute goal and go from say 100 points to close to 200 points and suddenly be in the running for Uh, performance buzz and potentially even star player if it's a a low scoring day a goal can make such a difference especially uh the game winning one so for me that's the the key key thing to watch out for if you're you're kind of going into football index as a newbie that goals do really drive this market to some extent i think you see that in fpl as well though you see like winning goal for example is worth three bonus points uh, as in bps not free actualized bonus points so we see for example at the end of every game we try everyone's trying to work out who got the winning goal and um, people like oh that bonus is going to be added so i think i can definitely see that but it definitely seems and in fpl we definitely have a lot of underlying stats which tend to drive our decision making a bit more although there is obviously the case that like Simon March was saying when he was on the availability, like what happened last week, for example, Richarlison, a lot of people are now saying, oh, we should probably sell that guy. If he'd have scored this week, it would be a completely moot point, I think. So maybe, you know, that's just one of those things really, but it's the difference between FPL and FI. Uh, Nick, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, we see with the likes of Mo Salah, obviously, where he scored, um, but then he didn't get any bonus points at all. So with um, FPL, we do notice that like where the player is a bit more wasteful or perhaps misses a number of chances. We saw that a lot last year as well with Richarlison, that in fact he wasn't able to convert many of his chances, meant that when he did actually score, he wasn't getting any extra bonus points. And we've seen that with Salah as well this year. And yeah, and like, like I said, he's, he's scoring, but when he does score, he's not actually returning any extra bonus points. So kind of dents his, his appeal a bit compared to what you're saying about Football Index in terms of the money, um, in terms of the performance buzz that you can get just from that one goal. Seems like... Um, the, the weight is a bit more heavier in terms of goals on the index compared to to FPL. Um, and I think the market in general is very different on index um, in terms of the pricing. And we've seen that in the likes of, you know, um, young players are quite heavily overpriced on the index. Um, the likes of Callum Hudson or Doy, for instance, he's sort of around 4.4 million in FPL. But in index, he's the 106th highest valued player in the entire game. And that includes all the leagues and he's more expensive than the likes of Mares, whilst and you know the likes of sort of FPL darlings like Robertson, who perhaps isn't as interesting to index owners because you know obviously clean sheets are quite heavily valued in FPL as well. They're less valued in in the index, and players like Robertson are quite quiet and unassuming, so perhaps are drawing less attention compared to sort of media hogs like Pogba, who's unsettled and constantly being written about. Yeah, I think in FPL as well, like you, you definitely look at a wider set of stats, it sounds like. So you mentioned Robertson there, for example, hasn't scored a goal since last season, but he's a must-own in FPL because of the bonus potential, because of the assist potential, and because of the fixtures to some extent. And I'm guessing in the index, it's not really about that. It's about the propensity to get something which is headline-grabbing almost. Is that right, Pat? Yeah, I suppose in terms of media buzz, you definitely want 
someone who's going to make the headlines. I think we're recording after an Arsenal game when Mesut Ozil was the standout performer on the pitch, got a goal, captain to the side. All these variables are going to play into his favour when it comes to media buzz. I think with performance buzz, there is an element of that hype as well. If someone's being really talked up on Twitter and they then suddenly perform, you can see those price spikes fly up way more. And I'm I'm assuming, and I think it is the same kind of in FPL as well, where if someone is being hyped up a lot, uh, a few people have transferred him in and then they do perform really well. Say we saw Matt Doherty, I think you guys spoke about him in the last episode where a lot of savvy FPL people were, were bringing him in and then he scored and then suddenly you've got like 300,000 transfers in or whatever. So that demand was because he scored but also there was that big hype and and i think that hype can play a part in in both markets maybe that's a similarity with fi that if a player's done something that's something you know martial for example scored a brace out of nowhere this game week and everyone started buying him a lot of people have started buying him at least but i guess with fpl you've got to be a bit a little bit more patient and like making one move is basically that that's basically it for the week whereas for a lot of for fi you still do have that kind of day-to-day intraday kind of thing going on and that might be a bit of a difference there i I think with yeah fi you have to be super quick you have to always be on on the button have to be ahead of the curve and and if someone scores a brace for instance all but tonight or oats or put in a really barnstorming performance you have to jump on him quick if you want to catch any of those price rises because if you're not fast enough and people literally are straight on it and you'll see his price rise by 30p tonight but then it might go down by 30p in a couple of days as, as the hype from the football match has ended whilst with fpl we always preach patience so it's very different compared to index where you have to be very quick with fpl you have to be a bit patient you have to you've only got your one transfer or, or perhaps your two transfers for a week and uh yeah you have to wait for all the football to be played in the midweek as well Um, in case someone gets injured. So there's a lot more risk in terms of sort of making your transfers. You have to time them to perfection just before before the weekend whilst with with um, index as soon as there's some news in the in the media for instance um, or someone does something in a football match that's quite impressive or someone gets injured if someone gets injured for instance you have to jump on quick very very quickly and sell him straight away whilst with fpl you might give it a few days and, and wait to see who the best alternative is for your injured player i i think that's potentially one of the reasons that fpl users look at underlying stats so much more than fi users and i mean no disrespect to those football index traders out there if you're looking at those expected goals touches in the box shots in the box uh stats that are underlying those surface ones that we look at sometimes i think that's probably the reason that fpl trade uh not traders fpl players look at those stats more so is because you only do get that one transfer or two transfers as you said maybe once a week twice a week or once every two weeks you have one more time and two your decision is kind of worth more in terms of each game type if we're going to call them games so a transfer you only get once a week they're very scarce and they're very valuable whereas in football index you can buy buy and sell five players within 24 hours and you might not think that much of it so i think that's one a definite difference or, or advantage that FPL players could have when coming over to Football Index if they choose to do or if they have done already or if they dabble in a bit of both. Looking at those underlying stats and, and looking at those players who are still posting up those good underlying stats but maybe haven't returned dividends, maybe haven't posted up a big score yet and are just kind of waiting to explode, for example. I think when we were off air, I, I kind of talked about Cristiano Ronaldo at the back end of last year so we're looking at december 2017 early 2018 when he hadn't he had been on a bit of a barren run but his underlying stats were still very good i I saw a lot of people posting on twitter that he was kind of ready to explode and did some more research myself and when he did start scoring he, he just didn't stop and when it came to the champions league we obviously saw that he he started annihilating it, uh, just mesmeric performance after mesmeric performance, and his price went up about fifty percent along alongside winning so much dividends. So you, you kind of have that parallel in football index and FPL as well, where you're looking for that differential factor. So I think a lot of people who are researching these players in depth. To, to such extent on, on FPL, we're going to have a, a good time finding maybe some bargains and gems on Football Index. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that moves us on quite nicely as well to the idea of getting ahead of the crowd in terms of what you were saying about Cristiano Ronaldo, because that definitely means something in FPL, like spotting something like someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka before preseason as well as a four million gem. Uh, these are all very different, and these are all things that kind of uh, definitely elevate FPL in some ways. Yeah, it means that we we have the vision, I guess, going uh, going forward to see these players and own them before the media at large picks up on them, which may have a bit of a lag in terms of when uh, football index does kick in. I think it might be worth now talking quickly about different strategies in terms of holding and keeping players and how it might be a little bit different for for, for both games and how it might be very similar. I think kind of keeping it in the FPL sphere, as it were. What kind of stats do you look at, Nick? And what kind of things that help you assess whether a player is worth keeping hold of or whether you may be looking at it, other than goals and assists, of course? FPL managers always look at the next five sort of games and, and see who's playing who. And, and that's kind of one of their key sort of for assessing uh, whether a player is worth bringing in or not. And for instance, at the moment, we know that Leicester have some really good fixtures. They've got West Ham at home next. Then they've got Cardiff away, Burnley at home, Brighton away, then Watford at home and then, and then Fulham after that as well. So, yeah, really good run of six games. So the likes of Madison, I, I jumped on him quite early. And I know a lot of people are also looking at other Leicester players, like the defender, Ricardo Pereira, is another option that I know that you're looking at potentially, Tom, maybe not after tonight's game. But, and there's a, there's a few others out there. Even Ian Acho was being talked about on our Slack channel tonight because he was passing the eye test at the beginning of the game. And I think you could probably incorporate that into sort of when you're looking at um, good players in the index, I guess, um, Another one, um, another team that with really good fixtures is Newcastle, actually, and they've started really poorly this season. They're only on two points, but they've got Southampton, Watford, Bournemouth, Burnley, West Ham, Wolves. So they've got a really good run of six fixtures as well. So perhaps if you were looking for a cheap asset on the index, I saw Shelby was only £1, four pence, a uh, bit of a random one. But, you know, he, in the last game, Shelby actually managed six shots and got three on target. So he could easily net a goal or two in the next couple of games. And if he gets that goal, like like you mentioned, Pet, you could see a, a sort of a 20, 30p rise instantaneously on his price. And you'd be, you know, looking at a 33% overall um, increase in value just because everyone starts talking about Shelby. Perhaps they even say, oh, he might even get that England call up that he missed in the uh, the summer, for instance, as well. And that was the case with Madison as well. I owned Madison on the index. And uh, yeah, he got me about 70p rise, which was really good at the time because he got his England call up as well. My problem with index is I'm, I'm not as good as index as I am at FPL. So I've actually held him and I've pretty much lost all that value when probably the best decision would have been for, for me to sell him at that point when he was at his peak. But with um, with index, it's all about sort of selling early and doing lots of trades. Whilst with FPL, like we said, it's all I always sort of preach patience and conservatism and that doesn't rub off in the same way and, and do as, I don't tend to do as well in index in terms of selling at the right moments in time. I think that makes sense. I think there's definitely a lot of different kind of trading strategies and I think that in some ways as well, I think there's probably two strategies which are probably the most pertinent for both games. One is scalping, uh, which is a temporary buy for profit. You get in and get out quickly. So uh, sometimes it can go very well. For example, 2016-17, Willian very early on when Hazard was out, he did very well, got an assist or two. Bought him in and sold him off very, very quickly, got 0.1 profit and moved on. Uh, but equally, that can go wrong sometimes. Uh, Walcott is a very good example this year of a few people like me who bought him in, saw a 0.3 rise, but were unable to sell him on due to other fires going on in our team. So we had to wait until he fell again. Uh, in contrast, longing, going in for the long haul and hoping the asset rises over time holding him and having patience definitely does have some kind of plus and minuses. Look, a victory is obviously someone like Doherty, 4.4 all the way up now to 4.8. Or a player like Stephen Ward uh, last year, uh, when you had him, Nick, he rose up, didn't he? But the pitfall of that as well is your patience with players like Hazard back in 2016-17. We held him for far too long and didn't do very much. And like, do these kind of sorts of strategies pay us in, in FI as well as they do in FI? I think when it comes to selling on Football Index, because you have 1,500 players or so, there's a lot more of an option to move your funds around. So if you sell a player, even if they're not quite at their peak, you might have 10 or so players lined up who are kind of more at the bottom of their current cycle or haven't moved that much or they're kind of that differential that, that no one's talking about. Whereas in FPL, I, I think, goes back to what we were talking about previously where that transfer is so important that 
you have to really consider who you're bringing in instead. So uh, you talked about Richarlison there, right? If people do start taking him out, who are they going to replace him with? Are they going to replace him with James Madison, who has good fixtures, uh, take set pieces? Or are they going to stick with Richarlison, who might be playing in that number nine role and and be expected to score quite a few goals this season? It's kind of interesting in that way. And that's probably what, maybe pushes FPL users to do a lot more research in general on those underlying stats than football index traders because you do need to be pretty certain that you want to pull that trigger when you do make a transfer with that. Whereas with football index, even though if you might not have made the definite right decision, you might have gotten on a player that has risen past the asset that you've just sold previously so it's kind of interesting to think about those two things where in football index sometimes you have too many options with fpl if you're selling a player in one position you might be looking at only two or three other alternatives without whereas in fr you might be looking at 10 20 my pod facts of the day uh, was about my man Camarasa nick i've been talking about a lot in the slack obviously cardiff top for xg from set plays for massive 4.38 what for the second 4.05 that's near enough a goal expected every other game from set pieces and Camaras has taken 15 corners got an assistant two bonus on fpl that that kind of looks like gold dust whereas on fi the guy is definitely not going to be getting media buzz he might get some assists from the golden assist dividends when they come in and that might push him upwards uh, but he's never going to be a player who's going to be uh on the back pages is he one quick thing that's that you've reminded me with Camarasa actually we do have the similar things in, in football index where players that aren't maybe particularly good in real life or, or might not be that great for FPL for example and obviously we're, we're Premier League centric on FPL but for the index we've we've really taken a shining as a, as a general to Real Betis defenders just because they've been uh passing quite a lot so you've got um, Mark Bartra for example who's trading in just over three pounds now Mark Bartra isn't one of the best centre-backs in the world and by no means but because he suits the performance buzz matrix so well he is that price and he's probably going to return a reasonable amount of uh, dividends uh, according to a lot of FI traders this season the same thing with Camarasa right he's he's not exactly the <laughs> the golden boy of the Premier League and he's you know uh, he might go on to score 15 goals after I slagged him off now but I, I, I highly doubt that he's going to be one of the the premium players in the Premier League so it, it's interesting that someone like that potentially just taking set pieces like a John Joe Shelby like a Camarasa can still be very valuable or good value on FPL. I mean Shelby and Camarasa they're sort of playing for teams where they're not scoring a lot of goals at the moment. So it remains to be seen as to whether they can actually present themselves as decent FPL assets. With Shelby, he hasn't really done enough. He, he was sort of, he did appear on my radar just by he producing particularly good underlying stats this particular game week. But still at his price, he's not necessarily someone that we'd recommend. I know that Tom's a, a big fan, obviously, of uh, his teammate, though, Robert Kennedy, um, or Bro Potus, as he's known more formally these days, um, who's slightly cheaper, slightly more attacking. So he's got more potential for those goals and assists. So the likes of Giorgino at Chelsea, the likes of Shelby, more kind of, you know, midfield creators, but perhaps not, you know, goal scorers, don't really feature on the FPL radar so much. Fun fact for you, Nick, Bro Potus this week had the most shots for midfielders of eight. A ridiculous, uh, ridiculously low shot accuracy, of course. So they've all been kind of shanks into the corner flag. So what do you think we can learn from uh, from respective games then? I mean, Pet, you play both to varying degrees of success. Uh, very, very good at FI, FPL in the middle. Um, what kind of uh, things do you think that would cross over and be useful to players of both games or what do you think that FPL managers can learn from FI traders and vice versa? Yeah, I think I'd be a bit better at FPL if I got some better advice, but, uh, you know, moving on. I think there's... (laughs) Bit of burn there. I think there's definitely something about those underlying stats that I find fascinating from an FPL perspective. If you're an FPL user and you're really, really into your stats, there are some traders on Football Index that don't really even look at those. So if you can utilize those and leverage that knowledge of stats or that meticulous way of researching, then you could be unearthing some very cheap players in Football Index world and potentially stand to profit a lot. I think FI to FPL, I think with 
FI, some people have been on it for so long that they've kind of built up that loss aversion. And I think that kind of makes them sometimes very good at decision making, which can be a, a something to take over to FPL. Because I think when you have a whole week to think about it, sometimes between game week to game week, you can change your mind and go between it like back and forth. And then you get um, other people giving you advice like Tom telling me to bring Sterling in and then I bring him in and then regret it. Sometimes with FI, you just kind of have to trust your gut to some extent after doing some research. With FPL, I think that kind of flip-flopping can can be very detrimental as it was to me this game week. But equally, my charge would be that I give you the advice, you you do the action, like you're the agent, I'm the advisor, I'm the consultant. But I think that that's definitely true on FPL as well. But you know, a lot of the time, the fact is that we're here to look at the stats, we look at the understanding of what happened. And, and we always put the onus on, on the listener, the end user, to then think about it and make their own decision. Like We're not saying, you buy this guy, you buy that guy. We're just going to be saying, you know, camera ass is awesome, you, you may want to consider this guy. Uh, Nick, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to be a bit of an iron man with an iron stomach in terms of making these transfers, taking these risks with some of these like differentials. We saw it was a tough week. We saw Mane didn't play. We saw that Sterling didn't play as well. So, you know, with Index... If Pep doesn't play your favourite player, it doesn't matter too much because um, he's going to be back in the team next game week. We know that Sterling's not injured. He will hold his value with uh, with FPL. You, you start to panic. You think, why have I brought in a player that's a rotation risk? Um, and start to think about those options and those alternatives in the same price bracket. So just a Doctor Strange one, isn't it, Tom? Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, reading the news, reading the Daily Bugle, going on Twitter, things like that. Uh, are definitely going to be very useful in terms of helping traders to kind of think, well, I'm going to buy this guy in ahead of the curve. He's going to do something next week. I mean, you'll be rewarded with performance bone, performance buzz. You'll be rewarded with goals and assists dividends. I think that might be quite a nice thing uh, for you guys uh, if you are an F- FI trader listening because figs on uh, to bear in mind going forward. Okay, uh, let's take a break there, guys, and we'll move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're going to go for our features now. Uh, this is our regular section of the pod where we discuss market forces, the zombie league and how that's going, the All England team. And this week, because Pet's on, he's got a speaker's corner to talk to you about whatever he likes. The first thing we talk about is the market forces. This is our section where Nick uses our FPL NTI data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market this week. And, and Nick, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, but I think the numbers are slightly lower than what we've seen before. So I guess that's to be expected in in a quieter game week in terms of returns and Champions League football still due. But for the rocket at the top of the uh, transfers in this game week is um, Anthony Martial, surprisingly. He's had over 70,000 transfers in uh, following his brace against Chelsea. I mean, United's fixtures are, are mixed with their next games being Everton, Bournemouth, for Manchester City. But people are probably looking at that price of 7.2 million thinking, can he kick on? Um, he's only got 1.7% ownership and he started the past few games for Manchester United. Um, the underlying stats, though, for Martial aren't, aren't particularly great. He's had, he's had four shots so far and managed three goals, which is an insane conversion rate, but one that is unsta- unsustainable and a chance every um, 87.8 minutes is, isn't particularly great but um, a lot of people have, have obviously seen enough uh, based on that brace perhaps a lot of United fans thinking he's now going to kick on I've, I've seen it a few times with Martial where he's had sort of a few false dawns in the past but um, you, know, you never know I mean he did score against Newcastle and got an assist the week before as well so perhaps he's he's finally finding his feet after a few years at, at the club what do you think about Martial Pet? Uh, do you think he's an option in FPL and uh, Index? I think FPL it's a strange one I think his relationship with Mourinho is certainly that intangible that you need to consider I guess also there's Knox to Sanchez Lukaku seems to be slightly out of form United are looking for someone to kind of come in and score goals. I, I certainly think he'll probably start the next couple of games, um, but I'd definitely be wary of like a, maybe a, a bad performance getting hooked after 70 minutes and then Mourinho doesn't play him for three games. That seems to happen so, so often with him. Uh, and obviously I think there's talk of potentially a new contract for him. If that does happen, just from like another outside force perspective, 
if that does happen, that that's probably a bit of confidence instilled in him and from Mourinho. So that might be a good indicator as to whether he might start a bit longer term as well. Yeah, definitely. I think Martial is one of those players that people are going to say, oh, he was overlooked. He was diff- He's a differential. Uh, the fact is that he, he was looked. He just didn't really do anything until this weekend to some extent. And there were a lot of issues with him and Mourinho and scapegoating, as you said. So if uh, Martial was the star lord, the falling star is Sardo Mane as being sold by 95,000 managers. I'm guessing that actually between him and Lucas Moura, who's been sold by first 59,000 managers, uh, we're looking at a bit of a midfield region jig perhaps happening this weekend with a few players a few people getting bored of the uh, a few a few managers disappointed with the assets they've got in midfield and kind of shifting it around they also notice for example that Perea uh, from Watford after scoring again has got 46,000 transfers in yeah I think with Manny it's a bit unusual he's had he's had 90,000 he's had 95,000 transfers out so far and I guess there are a lot of frustrated owners who've perhaps um, held on to him a little bit too long now um, obviously, he had a great start to the season with a few goals in the, in the first couple of games. But since then, he's been very quiet and he's been a number of blanks. And then he got his hand injury um, or his thumb injury um, in the international break, which meant he didn't play against Huddersfield. But he has been declared fit and he should be back for that Cardiff at home, um, Cardiff home fixture. So I can see a lot of owners perhaps getting punished by this transfer. It's definitely, um, de- definitely asking for trouble. Um, Moore is an interesting one as well, over 60,000 transfers out. Perhaps that's fueled slightly by um, Lamella's goal. Lamella did really well at the weekend um, and quite influential. He's not he's not featuring on the um, market forces for transfers in, though. And it could also be um, caused slightly by the fact that um, Christian Eriksen's uh, back now as well. So we might see a little bit more rotation with the likes of Moore, um, with um, Ali nearing fitness as well, and the likes of Son Heung-min. Um, playing as well so I think we'll see a lot of um, rotation in the Spurs front line and also their fixtures are stiffening quite a bit with um, Manchester City up next as well also we've had um, the other transfers in uh, Mendy he's uh, he's back on the radar um, I think um, I brought him in um, this game week uh, and he's now got 60,000 uh, new owners and uh, yeah he's flying a little bit under the radar I think he's now actually he's um, since returning, he's now actually had six um, six assists in six games, um, and his lowest point return all season is four points. So he's definitely one to consider. Um, it is a tough run for City. I mean, they've got Spurs up next, then Southampton, then Manchester United. So not the easiest fixtures. But Mendy is definitely someone that should be on people's radars. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a whack and uh, got transferred out by a lot of people, I suppose. Um, I mean, we're definitely seeing now that people are reversing, for example, the Walker transfer. It also had a bit of a knock. Uh, 48,000 transfers out for Walker. He's not uh, played the last week. And uh, Trent Anzana-Arnold is the other one that I guess to talk about this week, Nick, uh, before we move on to your man, Harry Kane, and what's happening there. Uh, 61,000 transfers out. Uh, but I mentioned Harry Kane a minute ago, 55,000 transfers out. Are you one of the people getting rid, Nick? And you going to be one of the people buying in uh, tonight's blank uh, Lacazette 46,000 transfers in yeah I think it's interesting I am thinking about selling Kane but I think the fact that we're looking at live data speaks a lot I actually looked at the market forces before the Arsenal game and Lacazette was the third most transferred in player at that time perhaps after the blank things are going to change slightly because I am thinking about selling Kane but I'm thinking about doing the famous or boomerang Tom so um, it'll be interesting to see where Aubameyang suddenly appears after his um, brace off the bench again and uh, yeah he looks really good Um, my only question with Aubameyang who's had um, over 27,000 transfers in so far is where he's going to start but surely Emery has to start him after um, literally he's scored four goals and got an assist in the last 60 minutes of football so he's finally showing that form that you uh, you talked about heavily in, in pre-season oh, so. if only, it's so late isn't it a man ahead of my time aren't I exactly Exactly. But Lacazette, he looked a little bit um, off this game week. He was a bit unfortunate. He really should have scored a couple of goals, um, but didn't. I think Aubameyang is perhaps the more exciting player to to bring in at this moment in time. Though, of course, he is about an extra million um, in terms of value and he's not starting. So, you know, there are pros and cons at the moment to both Lacazette and Aubameyang if you are looking um, at bringing in an Arsenal player for that Crystal Palace um, game. But yeah. 
as far as Kane's concerned, it's, it's time for him to go. He's, he's certainly um, had his time in my team and then done absolutely jack. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty peeved, with, pretty uh, wound up with him, to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to be holding him anymore yeah, um, not, game weeks. I'm not surprised by that. And on the subject of Aubameyang, let's move on to the uh, move on to the zombies. I mean, th- this week because Aubameyang again came off the bench and again looks to have got a 15 point return. That's another 30 point captain for my zombies who have been absolutely abysmal elsewhere. They're also going to end up on 48 points this week, which is actually is not too bad. It's just, just one off my actual score. I've seen a lot of poor people on our Twitter um, adding us and saying that there's zombies outscores in this week. It's that sort of week, isn't it, where the sort of person in game week one briefly shows up and, uh, and trolls us all. I mean, this week for me, in my zombies, I had Edison and Goal returning. Um, I had a Duffy with a clean sheet. That's basically it. Everybody else just kind of showed up. Ericsson got one point off the bench. Kevin De Bruyne one point off the bench. Firmino one point off the bench. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's looking like actually a fairly decent week because I've got a captain or Bamiyang. I don't think it's going to propel me up too far in the zombie league. Looks like I may get into the top thousand, hopefully. Uh, how are you doing it with the zombies? Yeah, I mean, that is actually a really good um, game week for my zombies. They scored 65 points, believe it or not. Um, that's even with um, Vatonian and Bailly not playing. So I got um, a Matty Ryan 11-pointer in goal, which is uh, fantastic. I've also got the Mendy 10-pointer. I got a Michael Keane 11-pointer and um, Amarez 10-pointer as well. And uh, so four four players in double figures and uh, Solar um, as captain got me 16 points so yeah i'm pretty pleased with my zombies and um, they outscored my main team which we don't like to see but um yeah things are looking up a little bit of a, a quite a large green arrow they're now up to uh, 1.7 million in the world so it's wow. struggling a little bit lofty lofty heights aren't they uh, just just having a quick look at the zombie t- uh, the zombie league as well uh we're we're still being led by app blue carefree who's uh still in the top 20k um he, he he captain Hazard uh, at the start of the season, so obviously that's not gone very well this week. Uh, come away with 40 points, which isn't too bad. Uh, in second is Zombie Mango, Rob Hayes, who's got a sweet 69. Uh, in third, it's uh, Zombie Land with NP with 70. Uh, a Salah captaincy there. Uh, in fourth, it's Zombie Killers down to fourth uh, with 44 points. And, and in joint fourth, actually, with uh, with Zombie Killers, Ryan Gordon is Annabelle Christie with Sir Pants a lot. Uh, who may actually overtake uh, overtake Ryan and actually take the fourth spot for her own, actually, uh, with Aubameyang uh, in her team. Three points to go and one point off the bench in Tompkins. So, yeah, not, not too bad. There's a few uh, quite good scores out there in the Zombie League. And as you said, Nick, it's uh, a bit annoying when they outscore you. I'm just going to hope that over the course of the season they're not going to outdo me, which they almost definitely won't because of the fact that I've only had one midfielder for quite a while. Um, the, the final thing this week before we move on to uh, Pet Speaker's Corner it is the All England team, and the All England team did okay actually this week. Um, bailed out by England's number one, Jordan Pickford, 15 points from that penalty save. Uh, quite incredible, really, to be honest. Absolutely bailed them out. Uh, other than that, the the only kind of person, the only people to um, do anything were Kieran Trippier, who got a clean sheet, and uh, Josh Murphy um, with seven points, who was a transfer in this week. So, yeah, quite happy about that. However, the captain was on Raheem Sterling, so I did put my money in my mouth was Pat. Um, but he didn't he didn't do anything, obviously, and the vice captain was on Harry Kane, and as to Nick Chagrin, he didn't do anything either. Um so yeah, uh, it's it's uh, 36 points this week, probably treading water and probably eight hundred K I think is where they're gonna end up, which isn't too bad, I suppose. Next we've got two transfers, so we'll, we'll think what we do with them next week. I guess maybe yeah, Joe Gomez or something can go on the radar. Maybe maybe Phil Billing, maybe maybe Kadeem Harris, who's uh, yeah, the first scorer for Harris um since uh, Pez 2009 so yeah um... <laughs> yeah you're very happy when Harris scored <laughs> yeah thrilled thrilled a bit so. yeah the next one to score will be Mo Harris won't he right okay uh we'll move on finally to the speaker's corner and Pet, go ahead the floor is yours uh well I'd love to say it was preferred but I, I guess I'm gonna speak about football index a bit more I, I I'd really really well I, I don't think I should encourage it that much but I'd really encourage <laughs> FPL guys to, to have a crack they've got a, a risk-free offer which you can start with up to 500 quid and basically if you don't like it within a week you can just get your money back no harm no foul and i'm gonna apologize in advance uh to, to any fi users if i've used any uh, particular player names i'm not endorsing or slagging them off so uh i hope that 
you guys don't give me too much abuse and and yeah if, if you want some help you can have a look at some of my youtube videos uh I, I make them all about exclusively about football index got a beginner's guide there which is kind of a perfect starting point and once you get a bit more into it i've got a podcast that nick and tom have, have both kindly appeared on uh that does does okay and, and i think people like that as well and i'm on twitter as well uh dms are open if you've got any specific questions or queries i've been using it for nearly its whole existence now I joined in january 2016 and football index was formed in uh, late 2015 i've also got a uh, a podcast with their ceo and their chief marketing guy as well so if you really want to dig into the company and, and see what it's all about then it's episode 33 of the figcast which uh, could give you a bit more background info all right uh, let's take a break there guys and move on to community section who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. If you haven't joined already, our league code is uh, 516-441. And we've noticed that our top 50 players up into the uh, top 2K. So it's been really competitive this uh, this year, which uh, is exciting to see. And yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, competitive right at the top as well. Um, our main man, Richard Nykvist, um uh, Love Street FC, we noticed, has dropped a few places. In, in a tough game week, he only scored 40 points in total, and he, he's down to fourth. And, um, yeah, a few people have overtaken him now. It's uh, quite uh, tough at the top. We've got Iron Laddies, Kurt Goodwin. Um, about He's on the same score at the moment, 46 points. But he's got Fraser coming off the bench. So, yeah, he's um, had a reasonable week. Guerrero, Captain Salah, Robertson, Edison, pretty standard score for this game week. Ashley Humphrey still up there as well with Kate Moy Hart with a game week score of 48. Um, you know, the likes of Robertson getting some returns and Mendy, but I'm sure she'll be disappointed with the uh, the Lacazette blank uh, this, this game week. And then uh, top uh, this game week, it seems to be Guy Guy, um, Vinaldon Neviosa. So, well done, Guy. Um, similar players to the other guys, actually. They're all very similar teams. He uh, has Mendy, though, um, and he also has Sada. He's, he's Captain Aguero. Edison, he's top for um, Arsenal fans, top for France as well, and uh, 22nd overall rank at the moment. So very, very high, riding high at the moment. So uh, well done, Guy Guy. And the top five are all in the top 100 um, of the mini league, which is absolutely ridiculous. So well done, guys. Um, that, that absolutely crazy performance and long may it continue. Right, uh, just a couple of things to mention this week. I'm going to keep banging on about this until it happens. The first thing is the FPL London Christmas drinks, uh, which Pet is also attending. If you want to see him in all his glory in real life, uh, <laughs> beers and uh, just speak to him generally, buy Barisha some beers. Um, but we and uh, Math Safe FPL Peter Blake cordially invite you to this year. Christmas drinks, which is on Friday, the 14th of December at 7 pm at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, drop us an email who got this at gmail.com or let me know on Twitter if you can make it and you haven't told me already. Uh, but we've got a room to ourselves, the, the FPL lounge, as I'm calling it. Um, unfortunately, there's no football that day, but we'll be able to look at our teams and agonize over those late transfers uh, over a beer or two, no doubt. Uh, the next thing to mention, the final thing to mention, is that Nick and I are both appearing on the FPL show on the 1st of November. We're both looking forward to meeting Jules and James and we're probably both going to have a few beers on the way there to make sure we're not too nervous and um, hope to not going to be too incoherent by the time we get there right Nick <laughs> I'm sure we'll be fine yeah looking forward to that it's going to be exciting yeah I've got my hair cut specifically for the occasion obviously. okay let's move on to the questions this week uh, we've got five questions to look at uh, the first one is uh, about Sadio Mane we spoke about earlier main Mane so FPL Death Star asks Mane owners have been punished recently with two falls and blanks since the early game weeks should they hold and is there even a case to captain him this week uh, Pep what do you think about that I mean, I sold him last week, which which proved to maybe be the wrong decision <laughs> for Raheem Sterling. Uh, what what I would say is that he he's still taking a decent amount of shots a game. I think it's a bit more than Harry Kane, uh, which maybe doesn't say that much. But I guess the way Liverpool play, especially with Cardiff at home, I'd be tempted to keep him for the next week. Um, especially, I think if you, if that gamble pays off and he starts, he's he's gonna have a good chance of probably returning. I think. Yeah, I think if you were going to sell Manny, it would have been this this game week. Um, we knew that he wasn't going to play. Um, it was announced. Um, there's a there was a 
few um, tweets by sort of reliable sources that turned out to be accurate in terms of the injury and who was going to start. So we had a few um, quite useful nuggets of information from the Liverpool camp in terms of who was fit. We kind of got sort of told that Sturridge and um, Shakiri were going to start and Mane was definitely ruled out, which is always helpful for owners. So it's always worth sort of following what's going on on Twitter and um, sort of the early team announcements, because I think it, that was quite beneficial. Obviously it didn't work out for you, Pep, because the guy you brought in also didn't start. But now we know that Mane's fit again. I wouldn't necessarily advise selling him. They've got Cardiff at home and Cardiff, you know, they're, they're one of the weaker teams in the league. Obviously they're probably going to be in a relegation battle all season. You'd expect Liverpool, even though they perhaps not being the sort of barnstorming Liverpool that we saw last season. We saw last season, you know, Firmino, Mane, Salah, smash teams week in, week out, being very quiet. They seemed a bit off form, particularly uh, the last sort of five or six weeks. And uh, Mane has seemed out of form as well. So it, it, I, I still, if you have him in your team and you've been carrying him all this time, um, I'd be tempted to give him one more week for that Cardiff home game. I perhaps wouldn't captain him, but I certainly wouldn't sell him if he's still holding him. And if he blanks against Cardiff, perhaps sell him then because it's a it's a tougher fixture that follows against Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Mane's, uh, Mane's stats probably aren't that great, to be honest. He's had six, uh, seven goal attempts, six in the box at home this, uh, this season, uh, which puts him at joint 11th. So quite a few scrolls down the table until you see uh, Sadio Mane's name. Uh, what's interesting about Liverpool, I think, is that you've got two players in Mo Salah and uh, Sadio Mane, who both are fairly uh, bonus phobic in, in a lot of ways. And if Mane doesn't score, he's not very likely to assist because of the fact that he's a fairly selfish player and has been quite well known for being that way for a little while. And you've got Mo Salah, who misses a lot of chances and gives the ball away a lot. You know, whichever one's passing the eye test is probably the one you're going to be buying in at the moment. That is most Salah. Like he's looked the least worse for a little while. He's had the stats to back up the fact that he's probably the best option there. I think I'll be a little bit worried um, ahead of Cardiff not owning most Salah. Uh, obviously, this all pens uh, the, the weekend and whatever Klopp says in his press conference. If you do have money and you can't do anything about it, you're not too sure what to do with him. I think you've kind of got to the point now where you've had those drops, like some cost fallacy. You've got to just hold on to him. I don't know if I captain him, to be honest. I think maybe there's there's options around like uh, uh, Eden Hazard against Burnley in form. Um, however, I think maybe keeping hold of him for this point may be a good idea. And a lot of the time, fixtures can beget form. It's not the case that Liverpool, because they've been a bit, as Nick said, out of sorts going forward the uh, last few game weeks, that they're suddenly going to be terrible and they're never going to score again this season. That's rubbish. Mane's not going to not score again this season. He's going to do it sometime. And that's a great fixture for him to kickstart his season. So I think that, you know, there's definitely something in that and that he could come back and, um, you know, come back with Avenger. Right. Um, and also staying with Liverpool, I guess, Nicky Stone mentions to us that he has no Liverpool cover whatsoever. Should he be worried and who should he be bringing in? I think that, that kind of links quite nicely because if you don't have Mane or you do have Mane and you're not sure where to captain this week, could Andy Robertson, Nick, be the sort of player that you'd be looking at and thinking, well, you know, I could get points out of him if he gets an assist. That could be pretty decent, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think Robertson, if you can afford him, would be the man to go for in that Liverpool defence. Obviously, a lot of people have owned Trent Alexander-Arnold and are feeling a little bit burned by him, by the fact that he seems to have dropped out the the starting eleven, um, with Lovren being back from injury, Joe Gomez has been sort of shuttled into the right back slot. So, but I think I think there are I think Joe Gomez is another option. You know, even Lovren is a, is an option, having sort of back to back nine point returns. But it is I think if you are going to sell TAA and you're worried about having no cover at all in that Liverpool defence, I, I think sort of transferring in Lovren or transferring in Joe Gomez feels like a recipe for disaster because it's it's going to be inevitable that they're going to be the defender that Klopp decides to to give a bit of a rest against Cardiff um, against Cardiff and, and play someone else. So I think um, Robertson is definitely the man to go for. He's he's the most nailed on in that defence. He's he's guaranteed to play because I don't think Alberto Marino is going anywhere near that starting eleven. Liverpool obviously have been brilliant defensively so far this season. Uh, six clean sheets out of nine um, games. They've only conceded twenty two shots on target, which is um, 
second best in the league, only behind Manchester City, who've conceded 16 shots on target so far. And uh, Robertson has that propensity to get an assist as well um, and plenty of bonus points. So he's definitely worth bringing in and would be the player we recommend um, for coverage. But if you really are sure, perhaps look at the likes of Joe Gomez. I think he's definitely someone that I might be considering if Nacho Monreal's out for a, a bit longer. Uh, Andy Robertson is someone, as you guys mentioned, who, who tends to attract a lot of bonus points and with that potential to assist. I think there's quite a lot of Liverpool defenders that you could make a case for. I guess Lovren being slightly cheaper than a lot of them. I currently own uh, Virgil van Dijk, who I've had from the beginning of the season, who might not be likely to peak in terms of scores but he's going to be consistently returning I think for me I mean Van Dyke is uh, unfortunately one of those characters I had him at the start of the season uh, I bought him instead of Robertson the fact is he's had two attempts on target in nine games which is really depressing uh, we all kind of maybe thought that he would be the set piece target you know that guy who may be nicking in Vincent Company style uh, to get a goal but it just doesn't seem like that's happening for Van Dyke. if anything he's just creating space for everybody else which is fair enough um, but that's not very good in FPL terms um, as Nick mentioned Andy Robertson's probably the best one uh, as you just mentioned Pet as well the bonus is very very good he's the top for BPS points so the points that go into deciding the bonus points he's the top for generating those uh, Trippier is in second and uh, He's also created 12, uh, 12 chances uh, so far this season and four big chances as well, um, which is uh, second again behind Trippier and uh, Holobas from uh, from Watford. So I think he would be the guy to own. He's very close now to the magic 30% ownership uh, point as well, where if he gets points, he's going to be a rank killer if we don't own him. Uh, so he'd definitely be the person that, as Nick mentioned, we're both going to be saying, bring in, bring in. But if not, there's definitely a case maybe for all the other defenders, but it is a rotation roulette and you are going to be opening yourself up to that. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, staying with defenders, I guess, is a long go. So Derp asks, what do we do with Alonso? Is there a case for selling, Nick? I mean, I certainly would be selling him now if you we're really thinking about selling him. You'd have probably done it uh, before, you know, before these last couple of games against uh, where Chelsea played Manchester United. Now they've got Burnley away and then Crystal Palace at home. I mean, those are two plum fixtures for Alonso to perhaps um, get forward and, and get some goals or at least a clean sheet or some form of return. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Alonso, we, we always talk about Alonso, but, and I say this probably week in, week out, probably every podcast, but the fact that he's got the best underlying stats for all defenders, he's always, you know, he gets the most opportunities, he has the most penalty box touches, he's just he's just a great um, FPO asset, obviously he's very expensive, he's at 7.0 now, he's at 0.5 in terms of price rises, so he you do have to think about, you know, sacrificing a, a midfield, you know, a premium midfielder to afford Alonso and the likes of Robertson and Mendy as well in your team. But um, he uh, he is a great player, and I'm, I'm certainly thinking about keeping him. Though I would say, if, if you don't, if you can't afford Alonso, or you're having to somehow save some money, um, you could look at his teammate um, Rudiger, who's uh, at 5.9 million. He's actually now had 14 goal attempts, which is only three less than Alonso. So the second most for all defenders uh, joint alongside Michael Keane, actually. And uh, he seems to be nailed on in that Chelsea pres- uh, Chelsea defence, having been ever-present. He's got a goal and assist to his name as well. I think with Alonso, the case is who you're selling him for. Um, like, you know, the next three games is Burnley, Crystal Palace and Everton uh, before the international break. Like, that could feasibly feasibly be 18 points at least and if you watched him against Man United uh, he was basically doing his usual thing of playing as number nine um there's that one moment wasn't it where he miscontrolled the ball and put clean through and he could easily have scored that to be honest if he'd have managed to get that under control so he was getting the right positions that's reassuring and I can see why people are looking at him thinking oh that could be a bit of a cash cow but equally the ownership for me is a big factor I know it's really boring um but he has owned uh by he is owned by forty six percent of managers overall. I'm guessing the effective ownership in the top ten k is over, is basically hundred percent. So if he does anything, it's really going to hurt your rank at the moment. And I don't think it's worth selling. What are your views on Alonso Pet? I mean, is he a big deal in FI as well, or is it just FPL darling kind of territory? Well, he's definitely not as much of a darling on FI. He can, of course, get that game winning goal, which could pip a lot of defenders that pass it around the back a lot. But I certainly think he's a lot more loved in FPL. And I think if you look at Chelsea's fixtures, they're actually quite well spread out. If you're looking at it from a long-term view, uh, they don't really 
they don't face big teams consecutively. Um, I think you get to like 19th of January, they have Arsenal away, but then after that, they have Bournemouth uh, away, Huddersfield at home, then City away, which is a tough, tough one, Brighton at home, and then Spurs at home. So they've they've got like a lot of easy fixtures in a row up until that batch of six but even in that batch of six you've got three of those six games that you'd really expect them to win uh, and then potentially Ch- uh, Spurs at home could be a good one so my worry with Alonso would be kind of similar to you Tom if I got rid of him especially if it's in even in one of those batches where they have those tough games they've got those easy games in between all these very difficult fixtures that he could definitely return on not only from a clean sheet standpoint, but from potentially scoring a goal. So for me, the, the ownership thing means he stays in my team for at least a little bit, I think. Yeah, that makes sense, especially without having the without having Champions League as well. I think he's going to be pretty safe in my team until until the new year, unless I desperately need the funds. But I think I'll keep looking elsewhere there because of the threat that the ownership possesses. Keeping with attacking wing backs, uh, a lot of questions about the defence this week, I guess, because we were shuffling the assets a bit. Uh, Guy, FPL Planner, asked if owners should consider selling off Trippier for the difficult Spurs run to come. Uh, for context, they're playing Man City uh, at home next, and then they've got Wolves away, which is probably on paper an easy fixture, but not in reality. Crystal Palace away, and then after the national break, they've got uh, Chelsea at home and Arsenal away. And Arsenal away is obviously a very difficult fixture for Spurs that they often tend to lose. So, uh, Nick, what do you think about that? Well, I already sold Trippier actually um, last game week, and uh, it paid off for me um, bringing in Mendy, um, who's about the same price as Trippier. And uh, I, th- I think there definitely is a case for selling off Trippier. And it's, it actually sounds like a bit of a crazy statement to make if you actually look at Trippier's numbers. Um, I mean, he's returned four eleven seven six in the last uh, four game weeks. He's actually currently outscoring Harry Kane and all forwards bar Aguero. So, you know, Trippier's having a really good season. He's the top scoring player for Spurs as well. Um, and, you know, he's, he's not extremely expensive. I know he's expensive for a defender, but like I like to say, he's not actually extremely expensive if you compare him to uh, midfielders and forwards in his price. You know, he's far outscoring forwards in that price bracket. You know, I say this at the beginning of the season, being, him being priced the same price as Andre Gray is a, a complete joke and Kieran Tripp is far better value. But um, the fixtures are tough for Spurs and I mean, he's, they're not going to get a clean sheet against City. It's very unlikely. It's probably unlikely that they'll get a clean sheet against Chelsea as well. And, um, you know, they'll get one against Arsenal for sure, but not against um, City or Chelsea, maybe not against Wolves or Crystal Palace. It's, I, think there's, um, I think there's definitely a case of setting him and looking at some of the other assets. Um, like we mentioned, Liverpool, if you haven't got a Liverpool defender or, um, or Mendy as another option. Trippier is someone on FI who's kind of loved a little bit because he takes a lot of set pieces and that can accumulate you a lot of points even though he doesn't score often on on FPL I guess there's that fixture thing that you guys have thrown out and after they play Palace away they've got Chelsea at home then uh, Inter Milan at home Arsenal away um, Southampton at home Leicester away then Barcelona away so I think even though the Champions League games don't attribute to FPL points that confidence that a team can get knocked down on if they do lose to an Inter Milan or if they do lose to a Barcelona heavily can actually influence teams and also I think there's and this is kind of maybe not in many people's thinkings but players that have been at the World Cup historically are five times more likely to get injured during a season than those who weren't at the respective World Cup team so that's something to maybe think about as well fatigue. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think um, I did notice actually when I was thinking about selling Trippier, I watched that Spain game where England played fantastically, but he did um, get knocked about quite a bit. And then he was substituted, I think it was around the 85th minute. And I looked at him and he looked absolutely knackered. I thought Trippier's probably not even going to start. I thought Pock might um, play Serge Aurier. I thought it was a possibility. Now uh, Aurier was back to fitness and um, had a really good game against uh, for the Ivory Coast. Uh, I thought well, maybe Aurea's going to get his um, run out. Now he's fit. And there is always that rotation risk as well with Spurs fullbacks. We've seen historically that Pock likes to you know rotate his fullbacks um, during periods of fish- fixture congestion, like you just mentioned. Yeah, I guess during this week as well, the final question. Um, we've seen a lot of movement this week. The movement is all in the defence. Um, but I'm guessing going forward, you know, after the, some strikers or some midfielders hit it, which they didn't quite do this week, uh, we're going to start thinking about the template again and how that's kind of 
looking at the moment how that might shift and uh, Deepak asked the final question this week which is uh, with premium players inconsistent is there really a template at all with a template and with how things go a lot of the time my, my kind of focus as you probably are going to guess is, is ownership and a lot of the time I think about what players are going to really hurt me if, if they do something and I don't own them maybe this is all due to game week two not having a Clint Aguero but equally if you're trying to make your way up if you're trying to build your rank, if you're trying to consolidate your rank, a lot of the time having uh, nine or ten of your players being template players is very, very useful because if they're template for a reason because they're doing bits and if they do bits and you don't own them, then that really, really hurts, I think, a lot of the time. So I think that you know, even though the fact that this week that a lot of the top-owned players didn't really do very much like Hazard with the one point. They are kind of like high, they'll crop up again regardless. And I think that at the moment it's, 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 it's worth being patient with a week like we've just had. Uh, what have you used on the template, Pat? Um, do, do you subscribe to it? Um, how do you tend to manage that? Is it just through speaking to me and me giving you bad advice or do you kind of keep an eye on it and try to do things with it? Well, at the moment it, it kind of is uh, getting some terrible advice from yourself. But I, I think is it unfair for me to say that it, we haven't really gotten far into into the season enough? We, we're seeing quite a lot of players that are just simply off form, rotation with the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette, who's going to be the main striker, Morata and Giroud, uh, Lukaku, Sanchez, Martial, uh, Rashford, kind of the fantastic four at Manchester United, Liverpool with Mo Salah, and Mane and Firmino seemingly not really hitting the heights of last season. It's looking as though, I think some of the guys that have asked questions there are right, that a lot of those premium players really aren't value for your investment. And I guess you need them to to score more regularly than you do potentially in FI, where a goal, a game-winning goal in one game could prove to to get you some returns from media perspective or from, from performance. Whereas in FPL, you probably need a bit more regularity of returns. So I, I think I'm going to kind of play it slightly safe uh, with not that many differentials for now and then kind of bide my time and, and see who, who looks like the standout, whether that be from underlying stats or whether that be from terrible advice from, from the pair of you. I think, yeah, definitely there hasn't been those premium players that we've seen historically um, sort of really smashing it. It's been very quiet in terms of the uh, expensive attacking players. I think, you know, you could have also mentioned uh, Ericsson and Ali being injured at Spurs and Harry Kane not really um, performing to his uh, best potential, which is quite abundantly clear. And I think in terms of the numbers, it's quite what makes this obvious is the fact that um, of the top 20 top scoring um, players in FPL at the moment, 13 are defenders. So, yeah, um, those attacking players are really not being very consistent. There's obviously a little bit of a template. You, you look at the teams and, and we all kind of have very similar players to a certain extent. You don't want to see everyone's teams with the same players. So it makes it very boring and it makes it very challenging for people to to climb up the ranks quickly. And uh, those that have had a good sort of opening few game weeks tended to have uh, consolidated their position. I've noticed, we say it's exciting in terms of the FPL league, but it seems to be a lot of the same names from game week one are, are still up there in terms of decent overall rank so if you have if you pick the right players in game week one often you can consolidate if um if there's a template that forms very quickly around your which is similar to your actual team yeah exactly I mean, sometimes it's about patience and sometimes it is about especially if you're if you're fairly high up just having those calculated risks on differentials but at the moment we're seeing people just uh staying with the crowd having the captaincy we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, doing that on the polls, um, you, know, you mentioned uh, you didn't mention Kuniguero a second ago as part of the template, but he is performing a job at the moment for a lot of people in terms of just being the auto captain. If there's an easy game at home for Man City, um, which hopefully in the future will uh, be torn up, people will hopefully start to look elsewhere. Like you have other characters who come through and do things. It's just a case of making sure that. You know, a lot of the time your captain is your agent of shield. He's trying to make sure that you score equitably to everybody else, and it's just as differentials that can they can get you further. And this week it's been a bit frustrating, but I think next week hopefully things will pick up a little bit. We'll have higher scores, and then we'll have a few more decisions to make. But this week it kind of feels like a bit of a consolidation, more information sort of week, which we do get every now and again. 
Okay, uh, thanks guys. Moving on to uh, the final part of the pod, uh, transfers and captains for this week. Very easy for me. I'm rolling my free transfer. Um, I brought in Wilson last week and I brought in I brought in Kennedy uh, Bropotis to sit on the bench. That's staying the same because I'm very happy with the Wilson and the Fraser double up uh, away at Fulham who don't seem to be able to stop conceding at the moment. Other than that, I think it's going to be a most like captaincy against Cardiff, right? I mean, he's got to pair us back eventually. Hopefully, he'll score two to make sure he's in the bonus. But it would be so most like to score two, score a brace and uh, get zero BPS because he's taken 55 shots on target or missed uh, three or four big chances in the game. Uh, but yeah, hopeful and it's looking quite good. Uh, what about you, Pat? What are you looking at doing next week? Uh, well, I've got this uh, rogue random Monreal injury to contend with, but I think I could uh, I could be okay for next week. But it kind of all depends on Hazard um, in terms of captaincy. I think if he's declared fit, I might I might I'll probably go with Hazard. Uh, if not, I I might have to gamble and look at wilson or mitrovic i'm not too sure but i think if hazard's fit then i'll probably stay with him but and then i'll just be playing uh praying for for no mo salah go no mo salah goals alternatively i could probably boomerang sterling out and get a cheaper defender and then squeeze salah in to protect myself but i don't know it, it just depends i'll probably go back and forth throughout the week and then take some bad advice from tom yeah, okay. Um, I think for me, um, Salah's going to be the captain for sure. Um, I'm going for Salah. I think there's, there are a few other options. Salah's another potential captaincy option, but you know he's got these injury rumours as well. Um, I think uh, Salah's going to be my my choice. Um, in terms of transfers, I'm actually thinking about an all boomerang. I was going to bring Kun back in, just go Kane to Kun. So I'm, I'm thinking after that Aubameyang performance, perhaps I'll just... Um, Bring him in just for a one-week punt um, to have him against Crystal Palace just to sort of troll Tom a little bit as well in terms of talking about owning Aubameyang when he doesn't. And then I'll bring him straight back out. So I've got um, Kuhn for Southampton um, the following game week. So there's um, there's a theme, um, obviously, to every pod. Last week was the Strokes. Um, Well done to FPL Chancer, who got there first. Um, Just to reiterate who we are, we are who got the assist find us online at whogottheassist.com and on twitter at wgta underscore fpl our lead code also if you want to join us 516-441 and we're joined today by pets the football index guy the proprietor of the fig cast and you can find him on twitter at underscore fi guide pet thank you very much for joining us today um appreciated you coming on to the pod and uh, sharing your insight and wisdom on fpl and index Thanks very much for having me, guys. Uh, I hope my uh, FPL knowledge was worthy. Yeah, just about. All right, uh, cheers, Pat. Um, and next week we'll be back uh, for game week 10 as the season moves into double figures. Uh, maybe with a look at the defence and going big at the back once more. Uh, Nick's very excited about it, so he's hoping that the meta holds up. Uh, in the meantime, hope this is you, and we'll speak to you then. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.